It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you from COG Studios on Monday, August 12th. That's right, after the LA Galaxy's 2-1 loss to DC United on Sunday night at Audi Field. LA Galaxy traveled all the way back from DC and are now back in Los Angeles preparing for their Wednesday midweek matchup against FC Dallas. That's a conference matchup. So we're going to get you through that DC United loss. We're going to get you up to this FC Dallas game uh, and talk about a whole bunch of fun things in between as well. And to help me do that, the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter, back in the house. How's it going, Kev? All right, pretty good. You know, the world's greatest soccer team started off their Premier League season really well this year. Oh, uh, Manchester. Uh, this last week, yeah, 5 nothing win. It was a sterling performance. I was, I was, I was going to say, I knew you were going to be excited about about something Premier League uh, 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 related. That's uh, That doesn't surprise yeah. me at all. Raheem Sterling with a hat trick and a yellow card. Uh, kind of a difficult double. But, you know, pandas have real difficult time with math. So I want you to help me with something. Yes. I was looking at the Galaxy results, and I got 70% possession yes. plus 29 shots uh-huh. plus 15 shots from Ibrahimovic, yes. and it adds up to one goal. Yes. Is that right? Oh, dude, the, the the possession stats and everything that are in between this, Kevin, don't even begin to explain it because when you look at the charts, the, you know, the possession chart, whenever you look on MLSsoccer.com, is, is broken down into five-minute intervals, right? And so every five minutes, they tell you basically who had the more, more possession in that interval. The LA Galaxy did not lose a single five-minute interval throughout the entire game. So that 70% possession, which basically gives them 40%, I know it's crazy, but um, but basically it's it's an advantage of about 40% whenever you look at it, um, 39.4% uh, on the advantage side of things. It's ridiculous whenever you look at that and sit there and say the LA Galaxy didn't win this game. I said in my recap that it was disappointing they didn't draw this game, but it was more disappointing that they didn't win the game because this seemed like a win from the very beginning. No Wayne Rooney, no Ola Kamara, uh, Ima Boateng never came off the bench. The LA Galaxy had it all to work for, and all the stats point in their favor, Kevin. A bunch of stats that we could go over point in their favor, um, except for the really the scoreboard, um, which is which is just crazy on, on a night where I thought they had one of their most dominant performances of the year. Well, you know, the, there's so many shots, and, and Zlatan had so many shots, that the first set of stats that MLS sent out were incorrect. They had 28 shots and 14 for Ibrahimovic, which is still an MLS record. 15 is an MLS record, too, shots in one game. Only one of them got through on goal. There were 13 blocked shots. So even MLS had to update the box score today, adding a, a shot for the Galaxy and a shot for Zlatan. Maybe that was the shot that they wound up taking away from Bingham a couple of weeks ago when he had that big game against, what was it, San Jose? Yeah. But, I mean, you know, you look at the number of passes. The Galaxy had 531 passes. Um, uh, DC United had 232. Yep. I mean, holy cow. That's more than twice as many. Yep. Passing accuracy, 84% for the Galaxy, 69% for DC United. Um, you know, you look at the duels won. The Galaxy won 70 duels. DC United won 46. The tackles, 11-6 to 6 in favor of the Galaxy. Um, corners, 9-1. to 1. Nine not, corners. This it's It was a game in which I can honestly say it was one of their best performances of the year, and the only thing that was missing were, were the goals. And you look back on that and say, okay, I can go and find some goals for you. Bill Hamid... 
Um, DC United goalkeeper stood on his head twice. He had two ridiculous saves, one in first half stoppage time when Uriel Antuna turned around from a short sort of uh, rebound that came into the box. So he's six, seven yards out. Antuna hits it through traffic, doesn't hit it very hard, but hits it in a good enough position that it's going to go in the bottom left-hand corner. Um, And Hamid sees through the traffic and gets a big right hand on it and basically stops it and stuffs it wide. And then the biggest save, the one that's ridiculous, um, really, the reaction save, I think in the 71st minute, this was Latani Ibrahimovic getting a ball in from Jonathan Dos Santos, a free kick that was won by the LA Galaxy. Um, Zlatan full volleys a right-footed shot uh, as he sort of breaks away a little bit or pushes away from the defenders who were on him, uh, hits the right-footed shot, and that ball had buried into the back of the net written all over it. And Hamid, again, just a big, I think this time, left hand um, that gets up and, and blocks that ball from going out. I mean, the, the those two big saves were really the game for DC United because the Galaxy were so dominant and put so much offensive pressure on DC that it, it really, you didn't think there was any way for them to survive 90 minutes of that. Having watched it, I still don't know how DC United finished, uh, you know, winning that game with two goals and, and the two goals they deserve. They, they pressured the Galaxy maybe two or three times total in the entire game. They got two goals out of it. Um, you know, deserved in that sense, but it was a dominant performance from the Galaxy, you know, really from start to finish. I don't think I've seen the Galaxy play that well over the course of 90 minutes um, all season. I mean, even with L- in the LAFC game, there were there were some serious hiccups at times in there. It wasn't as dominant a performance as I saw at away on the road in D.C., brand new player on the field with Christian Pavone. All those things being said, the Galaxy didn't get the win, and I'm sort of sitting here scratching my head as... You know, are are there such things as moral victories, Kevin? Not in this case. No, you don't. You don't think so. I see. I, I feel like they're. You're right. You're absolutely right. There is no moral victory here. You lost. The results say that you got zero points. That's not a moral victory. Um, the fact that you played well probably doesn't help you momentum-wise. I, I get that, but at the same time. If the Galaxy play this well against FC Dallas on Wednesday, they beat them. If they play this well against Seattle on Saturday, they beat them. Um, if they play this well against any other team at any other time, uh, the unluckiness in quotation marks that they sort of felt in this game, they, they beat that team. Um, it was that dominant of a performance for me. But, you know, Bayern Munich beat an amateur team the other day 23 to nothing. I don't even know why they played that game. But my point was going to be, I bet you they didn't have 70% possession and they had 23 goals. The thing with the Galaxy is, yeah, I get the idea about the moral victory. And certainly Pavone uh, played extremely well and looked like he's really going to be, uh, um, you know, maybe worth all the hype and all the, all the work that the Galaxy had to go through to get him. Um, he played exceptionally well and, and seemed like he really uh, was already on on uh, on the right page with with Slotan, which yeah. is really good going forward. But the, where the Galaxy are right now, you know that that's their third straight loss. They've been outscored nine to one. All three of those games are on the road. They have uh, lost ten of the last fifteen. It's the sixth worst, fifth worst. 15-game stretch in franchise history, which I know we're really reaching for some of this stuff. But the point is they're in a little bit of a slide. They've dropped to fifth place. If, if things go – if everything goes wrong on Wednesday, meaning they lose to Dallas, Portland wins at home, and and uh, um, who's the other team that, that's chasing them now? Real Salt Lake? Um, yeah. If, if the, all those results go right, if Real Salt Lake beats Seattle, Portland – beat Chicago, and the Galaxy lose, the Galaxy will drop out of playoff position. They would drop to eighth. Now, if they win, those other two teams lose, Seattle loses, then 
um, the Galaxy could be in second place. So that's where they are right now. And that that's where I, why I say I don't think the moral victory at this point in the season is good. It, second or third game of the season, when you're trying to figure out if you're if there's going to be some combinations that work and you're trying to get your feet on the ground, yeah, that's a it, the result may not be as important. Right now, the Galaxy need points. They're in a very tough stretch. We talked about this before. They're home now for two games, but they have the League's Cup in between. Then they go to LAFC. Then they go on the road to Seattle. Um, they really don't have a chance to take a deep breath until probably the middle of September. Yeah, and, and I would say that almost nobody or, or no team in Major League Soccer is capable of taking a deep breath right now with just the way the schedule is. So I, I think as much as we look at it and say, yeah, it's a it's a daunting schedule, which it is. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I just think that it's not an isolated incident right now. I mean, there's a lot of midweek games coming up that the you know that that the league is going to play in. Um, there will continue to be midweek games, especially whenever you look at you know all the games the Galaxy have coming up in September um, so that's that's not easy for them as well you throw in Leagues Cup as well um, it, it's all sort of a, a daunting thing but I want to go back and, and reset a little bit to just the, the DC game and, and the lineup that was put out because it was a little bit of a surprise uh, one the lineup they put out and one the player that they left actually at home in Los Angeles so um, well, yeah one thing before you get away yeah. from that you talk about the standings Aside from LAFC, which is, you know, they've left the building, second through seventh in the standings, separated by three points. Yeah, You're talking about the it. Western Conference. So Seattle, Minnesota, San Jose, Galaxy, Real Salt Lake, Dallas, separated by three points. And and that's why when you say teams, no one can take a deep breath, that that's true. It's really tight right now. Yeah, it, it seems to be that way. Uh, if you go to the lineup itself, uh, Ibrahimovic up top, that's not a surprise. Christian Pavone starting, that was a surprise. We'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, Fabio Alvarez in the center, Aurel Antuna on the right-hand side. So Pavone on the left, Antuna on the right. We talked about that on Thursday. Uh, Pavone says he likes to play on the left because he likes to cut in on his right-hand side. So this is his first shot out there on the left-hand side. Uh, you had Jonathan Dos Santos and Perry Kitchen sort of playing that defensive midfielder role, although Dos Santos definitely was pressing a little bit higher in this game and leaving Kitchen back to do the defensive cleanup. Uh, Diego Polenta returns after his red card suspension and sitting on a yellow card caution warning. Um, he sat out there on the left-hand side. Gonzalez in the center with Steris. Steris returned after Romney started in Atlanta. And then you had Rolf Felcher out there on the right-hand side with David Bingham back in goal. Um, so that was sort of your lineup. The interesting one here was that uh, the LA Galaxy, if you looked at the bench, the bench, Matt Lampson, Jorgen Shelvick, Dave Romney, uh, Julian Araujo, Chris Pontius, Sebastian Legette, and Saranda Carrasco. The LA Galaxy missing one of their starters in this case, uh, Joe Corona. So Joe Corona did not make the trip to Los Angeles. I immediately thought, oh, well, he probably picked up something in training. Um, and so I asked the LA Galaxy. The LA Galaxy said um, he is not injured. Um, he was he was not injured. Uh, he doesn't have an injury issue. They were just simply resting him. And uh, Joe Corona took that resting period, being that there were three games coming up in seven days. Uh, Joe Corona took that resting period uh, to get engaged. So that was kind of that was kind of the fun stuff. So he proposed to his girlfriend while he got this little bit of time off and, and did that. It is not the other way around, by the way. And I, I tried to clean that up on Twitter with some people who suggested that the Galaxy gave him the day off because he got engaged. That is not the way it happened. Happened, and that's not how it usually works in professional sports, especially not in soccer, uh, with all these games counting. He had the time off, so then he he used that time to then get engaged. That's how it seemed to to, to go in that way. But anyway, I thought so that he was, was he was multitasking. He he was 
He was. He was resting while he was getting engaged. It was, you know, a brilliant little thing. I think he was. I think he did it down in in Venice, maybe. Um, I don't know. There was like a water gondola around and stuff like that. I imagine she said yes because nobody said anything about it being no. And if it was no, I think we all would have heard about it. So, um, but yeah. So now, I don't know if this is a good thing. I what? mean, if the engagement is a restful thing for Joe Corona, that maybe <laughs> maybe the, the the engagement is not getting started the way it's supposed hey, to. Hey, he's not he's not getting married. All right, it's okay. not it's not that I would say is not restful. All right, engagement okay. is he's still in the quote unquote honeymoon period there, and he hasn't gotten married yet. So he, he's good for a couple of years before that gets anywhere. Uh, I love my wife. She knows that. Uh, anyway, so uh, that's where you had with the LA Galaxy in the starting lineup. Uh, the Galaxy come out of the gun, Kevin, absolutely on fire. Uh, pressed DC United from the very opening whistle. Did everything that they needed to do in this. Um, I thought it was interesting to see Christian Pavone starting, getting that P1 visa. This was this was this was fun to watch, Kevin, because there were competing visa issues here. Because you had Ola Kamara, who, as people on uh, on on Twitter have rightfully pointed out, Ola Kamara actually has a green card or had a green card here in the. United States. Uh, whenever he was playing for the LA Galaxy, whenever I think he was playing for the Columbus Crew, uh, he had a green card. Now, apparently, there is some effect to that, that whenever you leave, you either lose that green card or you have to reapply for that um, whenever he went to play in China. And so that might be a different process. But there were sort of dueling visa issues because, you know, DC United wanted to get Ola Kamara playing for this game uh, and couldn't do that with Wayne Rooney out with with illness. Uh, but the LA Galaxy were able to uh, to go behind the scenes and, and really push extremely hard and actually get this visa uh for christian pavone let's not say behind the scenes you're you're feeding into that narrative oh yes galaxy does everything illegally be careful yeah oh i'm sorry yeah i don't want to i actually really don't want to do this 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 seems like at least i was told um that it was just a whole bunch of really hard work um in terms of you know trying to get it pushed through i was told the same thing and i just talked to dennis to to close and and as of thursday evening he didn't think that this was going to happen uh they weren't even sure the idea was pavone was going to go they were chartering first of all they chartered to and from so yeah they didn't really have to worry about how many airline tickets they had with charters but so pavone was going to go he was on the trip anyways if if he was just going to sit in the stands and watch but um a lot of people like you said worked behind the scenes they worked really hard let's face it they're not reinventing the wheel the, the galaxy and every team in mls have had transfers coming before they know the procedure they know what to do i do think the galaxy had maybe an advantage because this Pavone thing has been in the works for so long. I mean, I think Dennis was talking about this maybe as early in May. So whatever, uh, you know, different problems it, it, it presents with someone coming from Argentina or from that league or from that team, uh, the Galaxy had a pretty good idea what they needed to do, what hoops they had to jump through to get this done. Now, you saw with Ola Kamar coming from China, guy with the green card, um, you know, uh, what uh, – problems that presents uh i think dc united probably was in a little bit of a different uh environment but certainly the galaxy kudos to the to the people who handle this to their soccer ops department i'm i'm told that was the people that ran were on point on this they did work really hard and got pavone out there he trained uh two times seriously one time a, a little lightly got on the plane and then wound up in the starting lineup and played all 90 minutes too. That's another thing. You know, he hasn't played in Argentina, didn't play for Boca at all this year. And he goes out and plays a full 90 minutes in his first game in the humidity in DC. That's a pretty impressive start. Yeah, it is Uh 23 year olds, uh, 23 years old. He comes in, 
um, was very, very active in the first half, and you'd expect that. Again, you, you saw the fitness wasn't 100% there, so he did fade in the second half. But um, all in all, uh, Pavon was dynamic. He's he's definitely technically gifted. Uh, he provided good service to Ibrahimovic. I liked his one and uh, I liked his combinations with Fabio Alvarez as well. I think this made Fabio Alvarez um, look like a better player. Um, just seeing Pavone there, and I, and I like sort of the triangle that was starting to develop between Pavone and Alvarez and Ibrahimovic. Um, there was a lot of off-the-ball running, a, a lot of off-the-ball movement. Um, for me, Pavone was, uh, his big thing was that I think if he really wanted to, Kevin, he could take on people 1v1, no problem. I didn't see as much of that as I'd like, although he certainly had some moves one-on-one -on -one that opened up some crossing um, lanes for him, that, and that in turn led to crosses to Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, very early in the game, Pavone got a ball, um, sort of faked down the line and cut inside and hit a right-footed shot that he tried to curl into the corner. Um, and he he sort of didn't, never went back to that again. And I'd like to see more of that. But as a whole, um, you know, somebody says, this doesn't feel like a $20 million signing to me. I'm like, well, that's because it wasn't. It was free. Um, the Galaxy paid $0 for it. And that's that's why he's, he's doing just fine. I think for an initial 90 minutes from a player who really a lot of, uh, I think, hopes and dreams are sort of pinned on his ability to be able to integrate into this squad and make them better and make them more offensively dangerous. I, I think you got everything you wanted from Christian Pavone outside of some things that I think will come as soon as he gets a little bit more comfortable. But he was uh, he had one run in, I think, the first half where he ran down the middle of the field, evaded two or three DC United players, ran all the way into the box, and laid a little left-footed pass off to Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who was running off of him. And Zlatan was about a step late, or the ball was about a step you know, too far outside of where Zlatan wanted it. He ended up hitting it into the side netting. It was a little bit of an extreme angle, but had that ball gone in, you're talking about, you know, like a goal of the month candidate because it was all about Pavone's, you know, technical ability to break through guys. And so I think as he gets more fit, uh, you're going to see that from him. And I think the Galaxy went out and, and got the guy that they wanted. And the guy that they wanted seems like he'll run through a brick wall for Guillermo Barrascoloto in the LA Galaxy right now. And I don't think they could have asked for anything better. Well, a couple more numbers because pandas love numbers. Um, you mentioned crosses, 29 to 8 at Galaxy Advantage and crosses. Um, also, you mentioned the 20 million figure. Um, Dennis told me today that he wouldn't tell me what the number is, but he said that 20 million figure is, is way off. Mm -hmm. um, so it's much, much, much lower than 20 million. Um, but speaking of numbers, yes. he was wearing, uh, Pavone was wearing number 10. Mm -hmm. Is that Gio's number 10 or Landon Donovan's number 10? That's Landon Donovan's number 10. Everybody knows that, okay. right? I mean, because okay. Gio cursed it, right? So now they need, a, this is what I've been seeing. Gio cursed that number, and so now they need somebody to come and clean it, and it looks like Pavone is going to be the cleaner on that one. Uh, and well, if you and, and if you clean it properly, then he can then he can call it you know a Pavone's number ten. But he's a uh, it, it's definitely Landon Donovan's number ten, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean Pavone would have to be great over a long period of time, much longer than he's actually going to stay in the league. He's on his way to Europe at some point, but uh, to, to replace Landon, I, I don't know. Landon kind of uh, that that it, I know they don't retire numbers in soccer, but I and they shouldn't by the 10. way. Landon's number ten might might be one that you might want to think about. But no. I mean, let's let's be clear about why Pavone is here. Um, I've talked to some people in Argentina, and I and I think the the narrative has always been uh, pretty accurate and pretty much the same. He was a great player under Scalotto at Boca. Was a very young player who played himself onto the World Cup team. Played in Russia. Um, wasn't the star of the team clearly, but was a useful player who got some playing time. Um, when he came back to Argentina, he sort of the maybe it was fatigue, uh, I don't, maybe it was attitude, but 
the the feeling that the team and a lot of the fans got was that he felt like he had arrived and that he didn't need to to do the work that actually got him there. So he kind of uh, slumped through the bottom, the second half of the post World Cup season, um, and sort of wore out, wore out his welcome, I guess would be the best way to put it. But he played so well for Scalotto, so is it the, it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing. Did he play well for Scalotto because he was really trying to play well? Did he play well under under Guillermo's system and under Guillermo's tutorship? In any case, both sides, Guillermo and, and the player Pavone, decided the best thing to have for both sides, for Guillermo's team to win and for Pavone to reignite his career at 23, would be to come to L.A. And it's a it's a very good thing, I think, for both sides. I, I, obviously, he played very well. It's his best game he's had in quite some time. Um, so that part is is working. He did fi- sort of find a, a, you know, a fresh start for his career here. It's kind of what Alessandrini came to do after he uh, uh, played at himself out of favor in, in Marseille. I mean, that's a good thing. And Guillermo was, was pretty straight even at the press conference last week about the – MLS has now become a team where our, our league, rather, where a lot of very talented South American players, Diego Rossi, uh, Brian Rodriguez, you're talking about uh, Pavone, uh, Al Marone, Joseph Martinez, even who came back from Europe, they see this as a stepping stone, a launching pad to Europe. They can come here, they can get some some decent sized paychecks. The the checks are going to clear the bank, what they don't always do in Latin America. Uh, a lot of European teams scout here. This has now become sort of the new gateway to Europe. And that's not a slight on the league. That's a very big compliment for the league that these players want to come here and see this league as a, as a pathway forward for them. And, and I think that's why you're seeing the MLS is changing. People talk about MLS 2.0 and 3.0. 3.0 is definitely a league of young, talented, dynamic South American players and not so much the aging European players that we've seen in the past. Rooney's going back home to Europe. I don't know that Zlatan will come back next season. So they're being replaced by these young, dynamic European players. And I think you have to get used to the names. You have to maybe do a little more research on who some of these players are, but certainly they're better players. Yeah, it, it seems that way. I think it's interesting, too, you know, the whole Fabio Alvarez connection there. Um, you know, Alvarez and, and Pavone played um, some youth on some youth teams together. And basically, you know, Alvarez said, you know, we grew up playing together. And so as soon as I heard that he was possibly coming here, you know, Fabio Alvarez was on his phone texting him saying, you need to come here you need to come here. Well, that showed in this game. Um, really, the combination between those two, and by the way, I think one of Fabio Alvarez's best games was in this game. He got a goal, um, which is great for him because he now has three goals, two assists, and 12 games. Um, if you want to, you can put that out in, into a, sort of a 34-game season and say, okay, so if he did this over 12 games, what do you look at? He's eight and a half goals, you know, 5.6 assists over 34 games. That's not horrible. I imagine the assist numbers are going to go up as the Galaxy get more offensive chances from guys like Pavone, uh, from Antuno, if Alessandrini comes in, um, you know, Jonathan Dos Santos being able to get forward as well. I think that the the assists for Fabio Alvarez could really sort of increase, and I think that's going to be his main sort of uh, for goal is going to be provide assists and not necessarily score but he has three goals in 12 games he's now tied for second on on uh, on the team with Dan Starez for uh, for goals um, so Starez is going to have to score some goals if he's going to stay in this uh, silver boot competition uh, with the uh, with the rest of the team but uh, you, you see you said he would finish with eight and a half goals how do you get a half goal yeah well that's because it's called math Kevin we're just projecting <laughs> eight and a half you can round up it could be nine it could be eight but that's you know that's I don't know, maybe if it goes in the side netting or hits off the 
crossbar. Maybe that's like a half goal. I think the Galaxy probably earned a half goal by sh by launching 29 shots uh, on that. So maybe it was only uh, two to one and a half whenever you look at it. But no, I, I mean, like the, the degree of difficulty. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, Zlatan got a, an extra half for uh, for one of those LAFC goals. You know, that's how it works. Uh, but no, Fabio. Uh, and yeah. you mentioned Alessandrini. Um, Dennis said he's looking forward to Allison Reading coming back. I know there's been sort of a lot of chatter that, uh, you know, LeJet was on the bench, came off the bench in, at, at D.C. He's a national team player. You know, have the Galaxy moved on uh, past LeJet and, and Allison Reading? Are these guys no longer in their plans? At least for the, for this season they are. Dennis has talked a lot about getting uh, Roman Allison Reading back. I think he really likes him as a player. Now, whether he wants to keep him, certainly as a DP, that DP spot is very valuable. But the idea that that Sebastian and Roman will not it, have an impact for the rest of the season. I think that's incorrect. I think management is definitely looking at both of those guys to play big roles. Well, we, we you could see it. Again, it's my contention, and I've certainly looked at the numbers on this, that the LA Galaxy's defense is, is currently, if you're ranking them by goals against, which I believe is how you should rank a defense, by the way, uh, if you're ranking them by goals against, the LA Galaxy are currently 11th. So they're actually in the top 50% of the league in terms of defense. However, the Galaxy's offense is 21st in terms of scoring goals, 21st in the league. So if you were looking and, and somebody said, you know, we wasted you know money on Pavone whenever we could have been spending money on the defense, it's like, no, 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 the defense is is pretty, is average at worst, all right? You can say average at worst for them, sort of where they fall within the rest of the league. The offense, however, is, is pitiful right now in terms of the goals that they're scoring. Uh, they're not scoring goals. They're not scoring goals anywhere near the rate that they were scoring last year, which they scored a ton of goals last year and gave up a whole bunch of goals. So they got better on defense this year, um, at least projected to get better on defense, about 13 goals better, but they're still on pace to score about 19 goals less than they did last year, and being ranked 21st in offense is, is a huge deal. So getting Pavone, um, an offensive threat, somebody who's able to provide service to Zlatan Ibrahimovic, certainly uh, service to other players. You know, Fabio Alvarez eventually gets one, and that ball comes in from Jonathan Dos Santos, but uh, that was towards Zlatan, and it comes off. Um, all these things seem to go well, and in this game, Kevin, 29 shots. Zlatan had 15, basically had 50% of the LA Galaxy shots. There's a really good sign in this is that the Galaxy as a team also provided 50% of the shots um, whenever you whenever you look at those numbers. So it wasn't just all Zlatan in this game, despite the fact um, that he had, you know, an MLS record 15 shots with only one of those on target, but a whole but, bunch blocked. But let me ask you about all these numbers, and these numbers are completely whack. Yeah, Again, they are. <laughs> 531 passes to 232, 29 crosses to 8, 9 nine corner kicks to one, 70% possession. I mean, these numbers are completely nuts. So let me ask you, it, a lot of coaches have told me, look, if we're not scoring but we're getting the chances, I'll take that every day because eventually that, that's going to even itself out. It's when you're not getting the chances. When you get, you know, there, there have been games when teams haven't had any shots on goal. Like Seattle won an MLS Cup uh, on penalty kicks after a game in which they had no shots on target. So let me ask you about this game. Do you look at this and say this is a, a failing because they didn't score with all these shots, that it was a dismal performance because they had all these opportunities and couldn't convert them and they need to go to work on something? Was this uh, Guillermo not having uh, the uh, coaching acumen or the technical acumen to say, hey, we're getting all these opportunities, we need to tweak this, we need to make a lineup change or we need to make a formation change to, to turn these opportunities into goals? Was there a failing here or was this just one of those games where you just say, hey, we had a lot of bad luck, a lot of block shots. That's not going to happen again. Just 
chalk this one up to bad luck and move on. Well, so it comes down to, I think it's going to fall into the, it was bad luck because if you look at the galaxy, in my opinion, they were very balanced on attack. Uh, yeah, there were a lot of crosses in there, but they gener- they had 70% possession. They had to do something with the ball whenever they got to them. Uh, they had chances where they did dribble into the center of the field um, and still create things. So I-, I liked all that. I thought it was one of the more balanced attacks that you've seen from the galaxy and the fact that it wasn't all Ibrahimovic, even though he had a ton of shots, there were a ton of shots from other guys. Um, the the real sort of, you know, I, I guess genius or, or the lucky part about this is that Ben Olsen, knowing that he doesn't have, you know, a real striker technically out on the field or, or at least not somebody who the, I think the Galaxy thought was, you know, ridiculously talented like Wade Rooney or anything else that, that sort of happens there, um, you know, put his team in a, in a low defensive block. I mean, he threw, I, I keep trying to look for it and I haven't seen it. Uh, maybe somebody can send it to me, but I'd love to see the average position, you know, wherever they go through and they say, okay, where did the, where was the average position of these players? And I guarantee that you're going to find the average position for, for DC United was back against their own goal was, you know, blocks of four and four and two and, you know, four and four and one, and sometimes even four five. And, um, you know, all these other things is that DC crowded the box and the galaxy, are known to throw in a lot of crosses. And so if you could put a lot of bodies in there, I think that that was, you know, sort of their best defense was to crowd that box. And the block shots show that. Um, You can say that the Galaxy weren't creative enough to open up space, but DC United wasn't creating that space or wasn't allowing that space to be created as well. So I think if you're going to tip the hat, one, you tip it to Bill Hamid, who made, I think, three good saves in in all, two really good saves whenever you look at it. He had three total saves, but two of those should have been goals for sure. Uh, The other one was, you know, a a good save. It was was kind of hit right at him. Um, But when you look at that and sort of say that the Galaxy generated those chances, um, a team that hasn't been scoring a lot of goals, a team that has relied almost entirely on Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Yes, they use Zlatan Ibrahimovic a lot, but 50% of those chances still came from outside of Zlatan, which is another positive for a team that's looking to increase their offensive output. So, you know, long answer, um, but in short, they got unlucky in this game. I think there wasn't a thing outside of, you know, the defensive lapses that we can talk about um, outside those defenses lapses, I don't think you change anything. In fact, you go out there and say, do exactly what you did against DC United, against Dallas. Just do it. Just run them over because they had more than enough horsepower to be able to do that in this game. Well, you look at, you know, we talked about the shots, but when you look at shots on target, um, even though Galaxy outshot DC United 29 to 12, DC United had the advantage in shots on target 7 to 4. Yeah, they did. Um, and, and I'm looking at the shot chart, and almost everything that the Galaxy did came from in the box. Now, that idea of playing two two back lines of four players, uh, Chicago did that against LAFC, and it's the only points LAFC have dropped at home this year. Um, it, Chicago just totally frustrated them with playing those, uh, you know, two lines of four and really denying them sort of any space in the box. And I think that's what you're talking about. DC United did here; they absorbed pressure. They beat the crap out of out of Zlatan. I mean, he, he, you know, it was a it was almost a middleweight title fight in the middle there. They were just pounding away on him all all night and. Uh, Zlatan got none of those calls, which we can talk about whether maybe some of his recent comments about the officiating might have led to that. But so I see two things. I see maybe this this two lines of uh, of four defenders, well, four defenders and four midfielders. Whether that's starting to spread around the league is a way to shut down some of these teams that have a potent offense. And and you're right. Everybody knows now the Galaxy offense is bring the ball down and cross it into Zlatan. That, that's what they're going to do, and teams can prepare for that. But I'm wondering now, too, if, if, if Ben Olsen has given a blueprint to the rest of the league. 
crowd the box, beat up Zlatan, get very physical with him, um, absorb pressure, and the Galaxy really have no way to answer that. And maybe one thing that you might see the Galaxy start to do, because they do have, Pavone is a very good uh, shot taker from outside the box. He shoots very well from distance. Maybe that's one thing they start to use him to do, because if, if he starts shooting from distance, then some of those defenders, it's just like the NBA, some of those defenders have to come out, and you can kind of open the box up a little bit and create some more space for Zlatan. So let's see if Guillermo makes that adjustment against Dallas. Yeah, I was going to say, I went and counted the shots because that was one, some, one of the arguments people were making on Twitter is the Galaxy, you know, did you shoot more from outside the box? They actually had nine shots outside the box. Um, so out of the 29, you know, a third of them basically came from outside the box, which in my mind, again, is a balanced offense. You shoot some from outside, you shoot for some from inside, um, but it was a crowded space inside. It had been the entire entire time. And... So, again, if I go back in my mind, and, and you can talk about the defensive breakdowns, absolutely. Um, the fact that DC United was able to to generate a two-versus-one off of a goal kick um, is pretty embarrassing. Uh, again, another counterattack. The Galaxy just are not picking those up. I mean, that, you can't even call that a counterattack, though. That's from a goal kick, right? They had a goal kick. Bill Hamid kicks it the entire length of the field. There's one header, one pass, and a goal. I mean, it's quick, but everybody was where they were supposed to be in terms of where their starting positions were. Uh, in my mind, People Gonzalez goes out to challenge for the header and doesn't get there. That's the first mistake. If you're going to go, you have to put pressure on. Uh, the ball falls you know, into, uh, into a pocket that's right in front of Dan Stairs, who then goes and chases that ball, as he should. But as he moves, Diego Polenta didn't fill in behind People Gonzalez, and Polenta's then chasing Paul Areola. Areola gets the pass at the perfect time and then finish. I mean, listen, I'm going to tell you, this is one of those times. Sometimes on defense, you get beat by a really good pass and a really good play. And that's one of these things where you sit there and go, okay, the header was perfect. It was perfectly brought down in a spot that then allowed the pass to happen at just the point where the Galaxy were switching players because they needed to. Um, all those things sort of fell to make it, you know, a perfect storm in that case. And then the big rebound that Bingham gives up. Um, I'm, I'm still, I don't know how you let somebody take a, a big wind-up shot from just outside the box and don't put a ton of pressure on him. But Bingham spilled a, a rebound. He makes the second save on Areola, and then that that point-blank, basically, from about six yards out from Areola coming off the side, um, you know, gets kicked back into the middle, and then that middle rebound ends up in a goal. Uh, the Galaxy saw that exact play, and Zlatan even said it, that it happened on the goal that was called offside. Uh, there was a goal scored by DC United, I think, in the first half, maybe the second half, um, that was initially given as a good goal, but VAR overturned it. VAR, this was the easiest decision they ever needed to make. The guy was about three yards offside whenever he scores this goal. Um, so, you know, sometimes VAR works really easily and really important. This this was one of those times where it was obvious, uh, it was clear, and how the linesman missed that to begin with, God only knows. Um, but anyway, so so that works. Um, for me, uh, the the Galaxy and, and what they were able to do is is they were able to take you know all of these chances and and the two saves that Hamid made um, and then there's really and you alluded to it or you spoke about it, it it's there's three penalty kicks that should have been called for Zlatan Ibrahimovic I know that's not a popular take I know it sounds like it's whining after the fact but you had three times where DC United players chose not to attack the ball at all ended up running into Zlatan Ibrahimovic while he's in the getting ready to take a shot with his head. Um, you know, he was undercut twice by Jalen Robinson. He was shouldered in the back of the head by uh, Brilliant. So you looked at all of these things, and the fact that Alan Kelly, who I love as an MLS official, but the fact that Alan Kelly sits there 
and doesn't blow a whistle on any of them, okay, I can understand that. But the fact that VAR doesn't take a look at any of them either, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Kevin, has not been quiet about the officiating lately, and we don't live in a world. There's no place in this world where Alan Kelly doesn't know what Zlatan Ibrahimovic has been complaining about for basically the last three weeks whenever it comes to MLS officiating. And I'm sure, you know, the, that Zlatan's sarcastic clapping at Howard Webb at the All-Star game is, is you know, is seen by all these referees as well. There, it's just, it boggles the mind on this one because Zlatan Ibrahimovic, for as tall as he is and for as big as he is, was hacked for most of the night and didn't receive, I think, a single foul call all night. Um, it, it felt that way, and and it really tipped the scales because if any of those are called, Kevin, the Galaxy win the game, um, and it's easily that they should win the game. And the fact that you can say that, hey, maybe not all three of those were penalty kicks, and, and I could argue with one or two of those. You could say some of those are, are, are you know, in and out, but one of those is definitely a penalty. Um, whenever you go back and look at it, whichever one you choose is definitely a penalty because they all had the makings of players not playing the ball at all and just going. It was like AJ Delagarza tackling Zlatan earlier in the year uh, whenever the Galaxy played Houston. Um, they were almost as blatant as that. Uh, Jalen Robinson, who everybody was sort of crediting on the on the broadcast with having a great night, uh, made two just absolute horror horror decisions on Zlatan that don't get called. They, he undercuts a guy who's six foot five and two hundred something pounds that's jumping over his head, and he just runs right underneath him. Or in the case of the first one, he almost spears him. He just runs right into Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Ibrahimovic Zlatan had the ball. He was going to get there with his head, and Robinson just runs right into him. And then Robinson falls down on the ground and has to be helped up because he made the poor decision to run into that brick wall. But still, the size of the player shouldn't matter in these. These are fouls anywhere else on the field. And the bottom line is that Alan Kelly missed them, and the VAR missed them, and that had a direct result on this game. Whether that's fair or not, who knows? I I don't know if they were bad decisions. I mean, if he got away with them, they were probably good decisions. And, and I mean, it seems like it's the hack-a-shack. It is. uh, phenomenon now um and and if the if the referees aren't going to call him you know again i would go back to robinson and say maybe he's making the right decisions and and we'll have to see if this goes forward remember at the beginning of the year zlatan was getting a ton of pks and and he was drawing them and then converting them and um now if the if if it's getting around the league that the officials just aren't going to call these for whatever reason for the fact that they think they're tired of zlatan whining they don't think they're penalties they miss them whatever it is i mean People are opposing teams. Dallas right now, as we speak, are they're looking at that tape and saying, "Aha! Uh-huh, I wonder if this is a trend or an anomaly." And they'll find out in the very they'll find out very early in the game. I don't think they'll do anything that might be uh, that might lead to a penalty kick, but maybe something that might lead to a yellow card or a foul, and see how much they can get away with. And and this could be something that we need to watch going forward to see how long this continues because if teams are able to physically takes a lot of time out of the game. And again, saying we they took him out of the game, he had 15 shots. Yeah. But if they're able to prevent him from scoring by being physical, uh, then I think you're going to see a lot. I mean, when Seattle comes in, you know, they, they have some big physical center backs. Will they do that too? Yeah, uh, it, it's a question. Um, I, I think it was interesting. You know, Sophie was on the show not too long ago. She came in and said, you know, around the le- around the world, you have these star players and the referees really sort of protect them. Right. And and that doesn't happen in Major League Soccer. Uh, It's never it's sort of like, well, you know, it's that that whole sense of, well, we know you're a big star, but, you know, this is Major League Soccer and we're not going to we're not going to call things just because you think we should call them and and all these other things. I'll I'll say this. Um, Zlatan didn't mention it after the game. And that to me says more than anything. 
um, because Zlatan always mentions things whenever uh, whenever it, it's a big deal. Uh, I think it means two things. One is he was very well aware of the fact that he had three penalty kicks that weren't called. Um, and two is that uh, I think maybe somebody said, told him, don't mention anything else because uh, it's not going to go your way. These guys will push back with, for, on you. Um, and that certainly could be the case because Zlatan well, didn't mention it. Look, look at his last game. His last game, he was begging for the yellow card. He argued at the referee every decision the referee made, what color the grass was. Uh, you know, he argued until he got that yellow card so he didn't have to go to Atlanta. No, I, I, I get where you're coming from. Again, you know, looking at this game, it, it was a game, I think, th- there's another reason that Zlatan, I think, maybe didn't complain, which was that um, I think he was actually pretty satisfied with the, the performance. There was no angry Zlatan out there yelling and screaming at people. There was lots of clapping. There was lots of nodding. I mean, there was clapping after Bill Hamid saved his, Zlatan's uh, rocket of a right foot full volley that should have basically uh, given the Galaxy the go-ahead goal. Um, you know, there was, there was that. I, I think that if you look at the comments from Guillermo, look at the comments from Zlatan, I think they know that the team played well. Um, I don't think there anything. I don't think there's anybody on this team who is sitting there saying, you know, oh, poor us or anything. I think there was more of a light bulb that came on after this, Kevin, which was, you know, we can play this well. You know, Pavone is the real deal. I think he's going to fit in well. So, I mean, we've, we've said that the Galaxy are immune from momentum. Um, I don't think this hurts them negatively in the momentum category. I, 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 would, I would think that it, the way they played only sort of gives them any sort of positive feelings coming into the midweek game with Dallas. Uh, Dallas has to travel. Um, that's a that's a disadvantage for them. So I, I think the Galaxy feel like they're coming into the D- Dallas game with maybe a little bit of an advantage uh, and and certainly in the mi- right mindset. We'll we'll see how that all plays out. We can talk about the Dallas game here in uh, just a little bit. But uh, let's move on, Kevin, a little bit. Um, we have about 20 minutes left, so. I still want to cover some stuff, but you did get to talk to Dennis Closa. I, I love. I know you're going to write up a story and and do all sorts of fun stuff, and so you can look for that in the in the LA Times, and and we'll all sort of wait for that. But uh, what were sort of your general impressions talking with Dennis Closa after this whole whole Pavone deal and uh, and where the Galaxy sit right now? Well, what we talked about is the the two or three year plan. It's unsure how long they think it's going to take, but the rebuild, there's a new blueprint. And, uh, you know, it was clear that when Dennis and Guillermo came in, you can see it from the lineup selections and, and, and who dresses up for each game that there are a lot of players on the roster that they probably would not have put on the roster if they were starting from scratch. And Dennis said, you know, that going into a situation, he said, I'm not going to use that as an excuse. I, I came into this job with my eyes wide open. I knew who was here. I knew what the, the problems were going to be and what the challenges were. Um, and, and you don't complain about it. You just go forward. And he said, unless you're an expansion team, it's very difficult uh, because you need results on a weekly basis, but you also need to keep your eye on the ball, which is maybe a year down the road. And they have been very systematic with the things they're doing. Um, you know, they brought in six new players from Latin America. Um, that's because Guillermo is comfortable with those players. Dennis is comfortable with those players, and they play the style that they want. It's very clear they're going to the Boca style, the, the very high-pressing 4-4-2 possession, you know, very quick possession-oriented style. That's that's where they're going. And uh, Dennis said it's not a, a even though he's uh, had to come in and, and and work with a roster that was not of his choosing. When you're building a team, it's a little bit different. And he said you don't go out and find the best athlete and build around them. You find a style, which, again, they have the 4-4-3, and then you find players to fit that. And that's what you've seen, that Pavone fits that. Um, uh, Fabio Alvarez fits that. Antuna, to a certain d- degree, fits that. You know, you have Polenta and, and uh, Gonzalez who can play the ball out of the back. So you can see this thing is starting to come together slowly but surely. 
uh, they're not going to put a deadline on how long it's going to take them, but that's the direction they're heading in. Yeah, you meant the four three three, right? Whenever you said, four, I think, yeah. I think you said four four two, and then four four three, and then I, but I knew what you meant, four three three. They're, they're going to have, yeah, they're going to have eleven players in the, the field at some point. That's right, with a goalkeeper, and they're going to all run. F- Toward the goal. That's that's a good idea. I like that. That's that's how it should work. All right. Uh, so so very interesting. The LA Galaxy's weekly schedule is a busy one. Uh, Galaxy did get back to DC United. I think on Monday morning, early Monday morning. Uh, Kevin, would you about three thirty a.m. Three three thirty. Yeah. Now and I wonder. You know, it's interesting that you talk about how positive um, they feel, and 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 you're probably right. They haven't picked up points in a month, but I I, I kind of wonder that charter back was like and the fact that it's a charter was a big help i'm sure they did get back they trained late this afternoon we're recording this monday at uh, about five o'clock we started they were out training at that time um so mm-hmm. the galaxy did not give up a day for travel which was why they chartered back if they had to had to wait for a commercial flight they couldn't have flown until the morning they would not have been able to train today so they trained this afternoon got back at three in the morning again uh you know 12 hours sleep and then they were able to get out there and train um, but I wonder what that charter was like, because as you talked, you know, if they're feeling positive, that was probably a great flight. I'm sure a lot of people slept, but I'm sure when they when they got here, they felt good about themselves. And um, that's the kind of thing they need to carry over into the into the Wednesday game, where, again, they're going to be home where they have a much better record than they do on the road. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, whenever you look at the LA Galaxy, uh, as we sort of said, you know, uh, a, a busy training week. So so they're back training on Monday. Um, they'll train again on Tuesday. Then they have a game on Wednesday, off Thursday and Friday, game on Saturday, um, and then Sunday, a little regen session. Monday, they'll be back at training as well. And then, of course, you have the, uh, the Tuesday night, I believe, um, the Tuesday night Leagues Cup game as well. So um, Plenty of tickets still available for that Leagues Cup. That doesn't surprise anybody. Well, um, t- you yeah. were telling me earlier, too, before we went on the air about FC Dallas. They have, really have a, the Galaxy's number? They do. They do. And as we sort of transition and look at this game, um, you know, the 7.30 p.m. kickoff time, we've talked about that, but the LA Galaxy have not beaten... Uh, FC Dallas since September 27th, 2015. Uh, that's regular season. Uh, the last five games, in fact, that the, the LA Galaxy have played against FC Dallas, they've lost. Um, whether that's home, whether that's away, it doesn't matter. Uh, I have on, on here, that's see, a 2-1 loss to Dallas on March 4th at home. A 5-1 loss to Dallas in Dallas on October 22nd, 2017. A 3-2 loss to Dallas in Dallas on May 12th, 2018. A 3-2 loss at LA on March May 30th of 2018. Um, and then a 2-0 loss so far this year uh, in Dallas earlier this year, the March 9th game, the 2019 game, uh, where they lost there. So they haven't but done Zlatan it. Zlatan didn't play in that game, remember? He did not. And, and so what that means is Bruce Arena is the last Galaxy coach to beat Dallas. And we've gone, since then, we've gone through Kurt Anoffel, Ziggy Schmidt, Dominic Kinnear, and Guillermo. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, however, however that ended up happening. There's one draw in there before this actual uh, win in September of 2017. Uh, so the Galaxy did get a point off of them at some point, I think, in 2016. Um, but basically, it goes all the way back to 2015, from what I can find. September 27th is the last time they actually but, beat somebody. But if they do win that game, they will equal last year's total for wins with 13. Yeah, and whenever you look at the stats, it's it's been an interesting sort of, you know, we started, whenever we looked at this thing at the beginning, Kevin, you started and looked at the Galaxy 
Galaxy and how they were uh, playing and you saw, oh, you know, allowing eight goals to the first nine games and, you know, having all these wins and only losing one game through the first uh, nine games. And so all these things were sort of going and the, and the Galaxy were way ahead on all of the 2016 or 2017 and 2018 numbers and they were far away from everything. But whenever you look at it right now, um, the LA Galaxy are only one game ahead technically. So in 2017, uh, through 25 games, that's whenever uh, the LA Galaxy earned 37 points in 2017. Or, excuse me, in 2018. Uh, so 25 games, 37 points. That's That was in 2018. Right now, 24 points, or 24 games and 37 points. Through, so it's only one game better. And if the Galaxy don't beat Dallas, they'll basically be tied for the same amount of points as they were in 2018 through 25 games. Um, which, which again, you, you'd like to think that there are improvements. And I certainly think the eye test tells you that there are improvements to this team from last year. But how much do those improvements really show on the field right now? And the answer is uh, that's of the slimmest of margins whenever you look at the points. Well, I still believe that with Zlatan and, and now Pavone, the way they, those two have combined in their first game, the Galaxy are a very difficult team, very dangerous team, if they just get to the playoffs. Because as we've seen, Zlatan can take over any game at any time. Um, so they just need to get in. I know Zlatan complains about, you know, we should be fighting for first. And yeah, in a perfect world, you should be. But I'm sorry, LAFC is gone. You're now fighting for second at best. Well, they could finish second and get that home field advantage. But the point is, get in the playoffs. And then they become a very dangerous team. And the sort of the conventional wisdom has always been 50 points gets you in. Uh, they have 37 now, and they have 10 games left. That seems very doable. And I'm beginning to wonder that maybe 50 points may not be enough. Things are so bunched up. Um, but certainly 50 points is doable in 10 games. It's 13 points in 10 games. You, it, It's almost if you don't do that, you don't deserve to be in. I mean, you're getting to the point, too, with everything being so bunched up that as you're playing conference opponents, you start stringing together some wins, and you quickly move up that, that conference leaderboard because well, everybody's beating everybody. Well, win, they moved to second. I mean, geez, they, that's a big jump. <laughs> it is a big jump, and, and sort of shows, you know, sort of where the LA Galaxy are in, in just in terms of, you know, that, that razor's edge. I don't think that they want to, you know, play this out the same way that they played it out in uh, in 2018 and coming down to the last day but as the last day against yeah against Houston in Houston Again, yeah. yeah yeah I know it's it might be hot there it, it could very well could be and if 1 p.m game and thinking if the LA Galaxy want to win that game in order to get to the playoffs that's not what they want to leave you don't want to leave it up to a road game um, so they have five home games five away games left uh, the LA Galaxy play two of those home games coming up this week um, and so these are these are important again the 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 to win against DC United with the rest of the results could have put the LA Galaxy in second place. Um, that hurts. And again, the Galaxy have missed chances multiple times this year to take advantage of favorable results around the league. Um, that being said, it seems like other teams have missed up many chances throughout the year to take take advantage of favorable results around the league. So it, it's a league-wide thing, um, and there's just not a lot of separation in that Western Conference. But the FC Dallas game... Um, August 14th, 7.30 p.m. at Dignity Health Sports Park, this game on Spectrum Sportsnet, um, is a chance for the LA Galaxy to go on a little bit of a run here against some Western Conference opponents. And if they can do that, um, they'll, they'll, they could easily wrap up sort of that, that playoff position by playing four or five good games here in a row. Well, you know, you talk about the schedule, and I'm looking at it now, and it, some things jump out at me. So they have Dallas and Seattle at, at home back-to-back coming up this week. And then, as you said, 
then all of a sudden they lose the home field advantage because then five of their last eight games are on the road. And who do they play on the road? They play LAFC there. I know the Galaxy's never lost to LAFC, but still that's going to be a tough game. It's a, it's a rivalry game, and so all bets are off. So they have LAFC there. Then they go to Seattle, always tough, playing on the turf. They haven't had a ton of success in Seattle. Then they go to Colorado. Yes, bad record, but you're playing at altitude. Right. Um, and they have the plague there. You may have to remember the plague is, right. the plague yeah, is in Colorado. They the yeah. Then they go. Then they have two home games again. Then Real Salt Lake, again, at altitude. And then they finish in the heat in Houston. And as you said, you don't want to leave it to that last game. So what I guess what my point is, is these two games coming up in the next seven days are hugely important because they're winnable games at home. And after that, they lose the home field advantage and they go and play, I would say, all four all five of those road games are going to be tough, either altitude or a place where they've had difficulty or the heat in Houston. And again, you don't want the season to come down to the last game. Remember last year they looked at Houston, hadn't won on the, uh, on the road all year. Houston comes in and beats them, you know, comes back from a two, nothing halftime deficit and takes yeah. the playoff berth away from them. Like you said, you can't allow it to come down to one game. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come over there and take that pen away from you pretty soon. If you keep, wow, reading. you still hear that. That's I, like every time it's a way far away. It is a microphone. <laughs> I would think with your college educated mind, you would understand the purpose of a microphone is to pick up sound. And yet you have the noisiest chair. And you know what? I'm just going to have your wife take all the <laughs> click pens away from you. You're not allowed to have a click pen anymore. I, when I was in college, we did not have microphones. <laughs> that's we didn't right. have electricity. Yeah, there was no indoor plumbing. That's that. No, that was correct as well. That's right. Had to walk through the snow to school every day. That's right. You had to run. Wait, no, you did run in college. I don't want. I don't want to hear any of it. No, no, no more. No more arguing. All right. Uh, the LA Galaxy. Just in terms of the standings, we mentioned a bunch of times. Just want to give it to you. Uh, LAFC in the Western Conference, fifty-five points, basically out of touch now. Uh, Seattle Sounders, thirty-nine. Minnesota, thirty-eight. San Jose, thirty-eight. LA Galaxy, thirty-seven. Real Salt Lake, thirty-seven. FC Dallas, thirty-six. Portland Timbers, thirty-four. Those are those those short quick um, distances between basically being in the playoffs or, you know, being 10th in Major League Soccer. They're all sort of right within reach whenever you look at what the Galaxy uh, could do and could possibly do here coming up. So that is, uh, that's on the Western Conference side. On the Eastern Conference side, it's the Philadelphia Union right now uh, leading in the Eastern Conference with 45 points, which is sort of a surprise. They continue to be up there. Uh, I saw a good meme today that was sort of talking about Philadelphia and they're like, hey, Philadelphia, you've been in first place for a really long time. What are you going to do? They're like, I don't know. We've never been this we've never been uh, in first place for this long we we weren't expecting to stay here so um, that's sort of there with Philadelphia but uh, sort of an interesting Eastern Conference uh, matchup there with Philadelphia Union Atlanta United coming in just behind them at 42 points DC United at 39 coming off the win over the Galaxy New York City FC at 38 New York Red Bulls 37 New England Revolution 34 I mean it's tight across the league Kevin there's not a lot of slippage for either side so whoever you're gonna play um, and the Galaxy certainly play, um, you know, let's see, Western Conference, Western Conference, Western Conference, Western Conference. There's one Eastern Conference game remaining for the LA Galaxy, a home game on September 21st against Montreal. So everything's going to be in conference for them, which means you get to make you get to create separation with points and everything else that you can do. If you get a win, uh, you know, that goes almost directly into the conference and can really boost you and, and really help you on. If you lose, it can really hurt you um, throughout these last remaining games. Right, and uh, that Montreal team that's coming in, it's a long road trip for them, so that definitely works the Galaxy's favor, but that's a team that's in the playoff hunt you just mentioned, so they're they're going to come here, um, you know, needing results, yeah. which always changes the thing. And, you know, at the last couple of games of the season, team taking a long road trip, if it's out of the playoff hunt, uh, it's a totally different game. Montreal's going to be coming here ready to play, 
and obviously the Galaxy have to be ready too because that's their penultimate uh, when they play that game September 21st. That's their penultimate home game of the season. Yeah, it's uh it's an interesting time to be an LA Galaxy fan. That's for sure. Um, I, I thought that uh, you know the the positives from the DC United game uh, clearly allowing you know the LA Galaxy to sort of be able to wipe the slate clean off that loss. I, I think there was so much that sort of you know happened there. Again, I think the the sort of presence of Fabio Alvarez in in all this and how he fits into the puzzle whenever Pavon plays um, is hugely crucial and and hugely important. And and I think that really goes a long way. Uh, getting Joe Corona back, who was you know who's going to be rested basically and probably will start against FC Dallas um, instead of some other guys. So maybe uh, Perry Kitchen doesn't get the start against FC Dallas, but uh, you know they have this plan laid out uh kevin and 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 trying to figure out what that plan is coming up with fc dallas and then with seattle um and how they're going to rotate the squad and how they're going to try to stay fresh on that and how much pavone plays over those next couple of games knowing that he's not fully fit i mean all these questions are, are big questions that the galaxy have to answer because there's really no way to to allow um any more slippage from the galaxy uh, it's been a lot um, they've they've wasted a whole central part of this uh, schedule. Whenever you look at their record, and certainly you had uh, you had their record over that 15 game stretch. Is, it's not a good record. Um, so any and I, I hesitate to use the term momentum because as you've said, Kevin, I just don't think it applies to this Galaxy team. But I have to feel like in their mindset, in in their current way of thinking about how they played against DC, they have to feel confident going up against FC Dallas. Um, and they have to feel confident against going up against Seattle. And, and those two things combined, you know, really might make um, the difference. Getting two wins out of their next two home games uh, would go a long way to securing a, a playoff spot for the LA Galaxy, knowing they have those tough games coming up uh, on the road, um, you know, down this stretch. Well, think about this. They got 13 points in April alone, 15 points since then. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's been, I mean, you know, totally inconsistent. Uh, up until this three-game losing streak, the Galaxy had only lost consecutive games in that one four-game losing streak earlier um, in the season. Other than that, it's been like win one, lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose one. And it's hard to sort of predict where this team has been um, and, and where this team is going to go and how good they can be. You know, I, I still think that the glimpses of what we've seen from this LA Galaxy team tell me that this is one of the better teams in the league. Um, I just don't know whether or not they can find that consistency uh, and, and that level and that and be able to sustain that level um, throughout the rest of this season. And and maybe it just doesn't happen this season. Maybe that's not. Maybe they're just not capable of putting all the pieces together this season. And you have to go back into 2020 to really make that happen. But you know, I still I would find it hard to believe the Galaxy aren't a playoff team in 2019 when seven teams from each conference the galaxy in my mind are still a top seven team in the western conference and despite their ups and downs i, I still feel that they're they should be a lock for the playoffs now whether that's the last spot coming in or whether that's in the second position i think that's all up for grabs um but i just i feel like there's too much talent on this team um to 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 see them not make the playoffs this particular year yeah, I mean, half more than half the teams make the playoffs. The Galaxy really in the in the bottom half of the league? I don't think so. No, no, it, it doesn't make sense. All right. Uh, anyway, the LA Galaxy playing against FC Dallas on Wednesday, August 14th. Uh, FC Dallas currently sitting in 7th in the Western Conference, 12th in the Supporters' Shield, has uh, lost only three out of their last 10 games. Um, and like we said, uh, has, has had a lot of success against the LA Galaxy um, as it comes down uh, over the last, oh, let's see, four years it feels like? Yeah, 2015. Um, so uh, Jesse Gonzalez, their goalkeeper, is one of those guys. I just want to 
you know, David Bingham got a lot of heat, and, and I think some of it's deserved, some of it's not. Um, but whenever you look at saves right now, so David Bingham has seven shutouts. Um, Jesse Gonzalez has six shutouts, goalkeeper for, for FC Dallas, Kevin. Um, Jesse Gonzalez has 58 saves and 86 shots faced. Okay, cool. Good, good numbers. Um, David Bingham has 103 saves, 139 shots saved or shots faced. Uh, in my mind, and this is not to say, oh, David Bingham saves more shots. Uh, it's more to point out the numbers on the ends of these, which is the one, almost 140 shots, uh, faced versus 86 shots faced. Uh, Bill Hamid was, whenever they went into that game against the LA Galaxy, the leader in um, in saves. And on the other side, whenever it came out, it was David Bingham who was then the league leader in saves because he had to make so many saves because he's faced so many shots. And Bill Hamid and basically uh, David Bingham are both in a shooting gallery constantly throughout the season. Um, and, and I think that's sort of what the numbers tell me. I think David Bingham is a, is a perfectly average goalkeeper and maybe even a slightly above average goalkeeper in Major League Soccer. Um, and I think he can do a great job if you limit the amount of chances that get shot at him. But right now, uh, it's like 100, 140 shots faced versus FC Dallas who have allowed 86 shots faced on Jesse Gonzalez. Those are two hugely different numbers. Yeah, only God saves more than David Bingham. It seems that way. And but wait, God plays for the LA Galaxy, so I'm I'm confused. It's 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 all it's all. That's, well, no, he's a lion. He's a lion. Is he also God? He's too? God too. Yes, he's God. He well, see, God is everything, so he can be a lion. That's that's okay. that's what that is. I'm glad we could have this little theology talk. All right, uh, LA Galaxy against FC Dallas on Wednesday, 7:30 p.m. kickoff time. Spectrum Sportsnet. Do not text me and tell me that you're blocked on ESPN Plus and why? Because it's on Spectrum Sportsnet. So find a place that has it. Uh, the LA Riot Squad, the Angel City Brigade, all the supporters groups have been doing an amazing job of getting all of the watch parties together. I mean, there's like five or six for every single game, and sometimes there's like 10 and 12. Um, so if you want to go watch it with some like-minded people, uh, follow those accounts, and they will help you find where you can watch this game because, again, it'll be on Spectrum, which means it will not be on ESPN Plus if you're within the Los Angeles uh, broadcast area, which also sometimes includes San Diego and Las Vegas. Yeah, because that makes sense. And Oxnard um, and some other places as well. So uh, that's where we have it. All right, uh, real quick update. Again, reminder, I am traveling out of town. I will basically miss the LA Galaxy's next three home games in terms of not being there at Dignity Health Sports Park to cover them. However, I should be able to watch all of them, and I will try and put together some little podcasts in between uh, that will still keep you going. We'll see whether or not that works and how much my wife allows me to do while I'm on this uh, back east adventure uh, in, in southern Maryland. If we have any Galaxy listeners in southern Maryland or in North Carolina, uh, shout out. I'm coming to your city. Hang out. Uh, maybe we can get a beer. Uh, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter. Uh, but anyway, so that's what's going on. Um, so it won't be the normal shows, which means no Panda next Monday because I'm giving. Aww. Yeah, I know. I didn't want to pay for his airline ticket to follow me, so that wasn't happening. Um, hey, go go see Dave Sarakin when you're in. I, you know what? I should. I should. Except I'm probably nowhere near. I'm. I'm not. I'm like two and a half hours from Raleigh, and I have a feeling that's where he actually is. Although I'll look it up, just in case. Um, he is in Raleigh. Okay. Yeah. So it's like two and a half hours away from where I'll be. Because I'll be. I don't. I don't know where I'm going. I don't. This is my wife's vacation. We're seeing her family. I. I'm just going along for the ride and the moral support and to drive and probably to pay for things. That's it. Um. So anyway. So that's what'll be up. So that basically be the next two podcasts. So no Monday podcast with Panda. Uh. No Thursday podcast with 
with the hammer. Um, and then that eventually will come back around to, uh, I think I'll be back in time to have a Thursday podcast coming up uh, uh, the following week. So I actually land so Thursday you're morning. Gonna, you're going to miss El Trafico 2? No, I'll be back for that. Okay. I'm here for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get back on the, let's see, if I had a calendar, which I'm at a computer, which would allow me to see dates, I am back on the 22nd. So I'm- Oh, I'm, just in yeah, time. Yes, I'm, I'm here in time for all of that, and I can't wait. All right. Uh, let's see. I think that's about it. And anything well, else? We didn't have? talk about the big Saturday game. Which, which, uh, which uh, we're not. We don't have to talk about that game. There, I will have another podcast. I will do no, that. No, City Tottenham. Oh no, we don't need to talk about that. That's not. Come on, man. That's unbeaten important. City, unbeaten Tottenham, at the Etihad. No, no, okay. nobody cares. This is this. An, um, there, I'm sure there are people who actually care, but I doubt they're Manchester City fans. There's like three people in Los Angeles who are Manchester City fans, right? I'm one. I'm one of them. I know. We've seen your car. We've seen your car. All right. Uh, you have anything else? You good? No, that's it. All right. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, you can find him at kbaxter11. And please head on over to latimes.com. Look for that article about Dennis DeCloso, which will put some pressure on Kevin to actually write it and get it done. But look for that article in the LA Times, uh, latimes.com, where Kevin will have that uh, for you. All right. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jguessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Cornerofthegalaxy.com is where you can find all of our shows, our articles, our recaps, our our fun stuff we have there, our merchandise as well. So please check that out and uh, have a little patience with me as I travel back east. All right, for Mr. Uh, Kevin Baxter, the panda himself, I'm Josh Gessman. Mr. Pato, signing off. We will uh, catch you next time. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, Goodbye, everybody.